Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. For the sin of humanity. 
and then turn around, humanity refused to accept your child that you gave up to die for them not to be able to go to hell. As a parent, would you be angry? As a parent, would you be upset that people today is marking refuse to believe and accept your child who died a horrible death that you witnessed for the remission of their sins? You made this child righteous. You made this child uh, or the people righteous and holy through your child. Sometimes we need to stop and, and go back and kind of meditate and think on these kinds of things, ladies and gentlemen. Before we get into the word of the Lord tonight, I uh, uh, want to uh, reiterate the announcement I made last night that Saturday. Well, that Saturday was the last Saturday we were doing noonday. And so, therefore, we're just doing Mondays and Tuesdays at this present time. And uh, we'll see what the Lord do with this. But uh, um, our goal is to be able to speak things into your life, to be able to lock uh, some things that's been locked up in your heart and your mind, and that the Spirit of God will lead you into a real encounter with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Uh, I want to, uh, I attempted last night to begin to share, uh, continue the message I started a couple of weeks ago concerning the righteousness of God. Uh, but I want to go beyond the righteousness of God uh, um, tonight. Uh, I really believe that we're moving into a season that God is putting a demand upon you and I to walk in the supernatural. I, I really believe that we're moving into the season that we're getting ready to start seeing the word of the Lord been coming to pass with the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, equipping the saints for work of ministry. If the ministry... If the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, was the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom, that our ministry must not be any different. Now, let me help you renew the spirit of your mind when I talk about ministry. See, here is another lie of the devil and the manipulation of the devil. The goal is when you think about ministry, you think about leaving your job uh, and, and going out traveling preaching. That's not what God called you to do. And so many people has missed the mark of God uh, because they have not truly been taught a balanced word when it comes down to your ministry. Your ministry is your vocation. Paul talks about that in the book of Ephesians there, your vocation. God has really called people to be doctors. There's a call of God on people's lives to be nurses. There's a call of God on people's lives to be lawyers. There's a call of God on people's lives to be professional coaches. There's a call of God on people's lives to be professional football, basketball, baseball uh, players. There's a call of God. God gave them a gift of athletics. God gave them a gift to sing or whatever. That's your vocation. That's your ministry. Now think about it. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall be able to do them in greater works than I do. The greater works, ladies and gentlemen, think about it. What was Jesus' vocation? Hebrews says, I come in the volume of the book that was written of me. I come to do your will of God. 
So Jesus came, ladies and gentlemen, to be virgin born, to die, to raise from the dead on the third day, to send back, uh, ascend, ascend to heaven, and to pour his blood out before the throne of God and to be seated there. That was the ministry of Jesus. Your ministry is not to be virgin born. Your ministry is not to, to die on a cross uh, physically. There, Your ministry is not to be raised from the dead on the third day. Your ministry is not to ascend to the third heavens and sit on the right hand of the cross of Christ and pour your blood because your blood is contaminated. You, couldn't, you wouldn't qualify. That's not your ministry. Your ministry is your vocation. Some people are called to be principals. Some people are called to be professors in a college. Some people is called to the military. Literally, that's your vocation. That's your call. And so, therefore, because of the imbalance of the teaching, people want to leave their vocation and come into, quote, unquote, full-time ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, how could we ever, how could God ever reconcile manifestedly humanity back unto him manifest? It's already been done spiritually through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But it's our job. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. But how could that be if everybody was in the church? I'm talking about physical church, not, not the body of Christ. How could that be? There is men and women that God has called. Their vocation is to be doctors. Why? So that they can turn around and exercise their ministry, a reconciliation to doctors and nurses. When you begin to understand the realm of darkness and the manipulation of darkness, and a lot of people don't, you got some of the some of the high witches. And high warlocks is doctors, nurses, chief of police, military people, ladies and gentlemen, uh, businessmen, businesswomen. So what do you think there, why Satan would plant them or raise them up to be uh, doctors and That's their vocation. They're not walking around with black on and with a broomstick and, and, and a pointed hat. They understand their vocation is to be a doctor, but to be a doctor under the influence of Satan. They understand their vocation is to be an attorney, but an attorney that is submitted to Satan and his kingdom. They understand that. They understand their call is to be a teacher to try to draw and manipulate and bewitch as many of their students as they can. They understand that. But the church, we want to be a preacher because we think that's what ministry is. And not understanding that you are a preacher, a doctor preacher, a lawyer preacher, a teacher preacher, a principal teacher, a uh, insurance agent preacher, but not the ordinary preacher. I have a spiritual son that used to play for the uh, Broncos. I had him on one time. Uh, he retired with the uh, Broncos. Uh, I ordained him a, about five years ago. I forgot how long ago it was, but about five years ago. And and one of the things that the Lord spoke to him uh, uh, in his ordination, we, we spoke prophetically uh, over uh, over the lives of the individuals that was ordained, and that his ministry, we ordained him as an evangelist. 
but he's not called to be the average, ordinary, quote-unquote, evangelist. His evangelistic grace is not to travel like a shambok and, and to do tent meetings like shambok. That's not the call of God, the evangelistic grace that God has placed upon his life. His evangelistic grace and anointing will be into the marketplace. That's where God is going to have the greatest level of impact in his life, not traveling, doling, doing crusades. And God may shift that and do that later on, but that's not his call right now. His vocation is to minister to people on his level. Businessmen, professional athletes, that's his call. And God uses him, signed one of the miracles. God uses him in the prophetic. He prophesied when we, uh, uh, when we had our supernatural conference here last year. Uh, he was coming down. He came down for one day, but we had him a part of the prophetic presbytery. And 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 one of the young men, men that he prophesied to in the presbytery, uh, when we had Bishop Senegal here, and Bishop Senegal began to prophesy some things in his life, and it was a, 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 the exact same word that he got in the in the presbytery. Uh, God used him to lay hands on sick people; has gotten healed. Uh, he was here for um, I don't forgot what the last time he was here. But I don't forgot what service or what day it was. But anyway, he was here, and I gave us a short, brief, uh, 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 a brief, uh, um, brief. I gave a part of his testimony uh, when his wife became impregnated with twins, and the doctor said one of the children had died, and they wanted to take the child that was dead. He called me up, and I said, "Where your heart is, where your mind is." He said, I believe, "I'm going to stand on the word. I believe God." I said, "Then I stand with you." See, the key, he's the authority. I touch it everyone. You are the authority. You are the authority over those babies in your wife's uh, womb. Not the doctor, not the devil, nor demons. You are the authority. And God only can do what you allow him to do because you are the legitimate authority over your family. Now, I am your father in the Lord, uh, 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 and my authority only can work to the degree that you submit and yield to my thought, and you believe in me. And I stood with him to make a long story short, ladies and gentlemen. He told the doctor he was not going to allow the doctor to take the baby. To make a long story short, that was five years ago. I didn't really realize that was that long. He was here uh, early part of this year. And uh, it was five years ago. He got two healthy uh, uh, twin babies, a boy and a girl, boy and a girl. So he stood on the unadulterated fallible word of the living God. So, he, so watch this right here. Now, he's, his ministry is to enter into the business arena and to minister to businessmen that need to know God. Matter of fact, here's another situation that transpired with him. Here's, here's the business arena, ladies and gentlemen. He was uh, inviting him, his wife, to a party. And I don't forget what kind of party it was. And... Uh, uh, there was a lady, uh, somebody introduced him to this lady that was talking, and she's the, uh, I think, vice president, uh, president or something, of sports authority in, up there in uh, Colorado. He was talking. A young man came through the door. A young man came through the door. And uh, he said, wow, uh, here's another, a Christian 
uh, paraphrase how you say it, Christian, somebody born again. And the lady said, who are you talking about? The young man just walked through the door. And she said, he's not no Christian. He's Catholic. She, he said, he is a Christian. She said, no, that's my nephew. I know he's no Christian. So she called the young man over. And the young man came over. And uh, he said, aren't you a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And it blew his aunt's mind. Because she knew he was a Catholic. And she, said, she turned around and said, how did you know that? He started laughing. He said, God told me. To make a long story short, ladies and gentlemen, the woman ended up giving her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of his evangelistic ministry in the marketplace, he did not uh, 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 go to a pulpit. He wasn't up, up under a gospel tent. He wasn't in a hall. He was at a party. He was exercising his vocation. He was uh, operating in the ministry of reconciliation. And how what caught, caught this woman's attention? The man of God flowing in the supernatural. The man of God at a party submitted to the Holy Spirit. The man at a party submitted to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That means you may have to go to a party. But I know what we've been taught. And see, going to a party, not going to a party, don't you understand your motive for going to a party? Jesus ate with sinners and publicans. He went to a dinner at sinners' house. And the scribes and the Pharisees persecuted him because he went to the house of a sinner. And he sat, excuse me, and he sat down at a sinner's house and began to eat. And the sinner house he went to invited all of his sinner friends to come and sit down and eat with Jesus. What in the world do you think happened when J Jesus sat down and began to eat with the, with the sinner who invited all of his sinner friends to his house? What in the world do you think happened? Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe that they left out of there without being converted or without being changed? Ain't no way in this world. But what we want to do, we want to invite everybody to church. We want to invite them to church. I, I shared this principle uh, a while back. We was teaching on evangelism, uh, I think last year sometime. And uh, and, uh, and and when I opened up my mouth, basically everything come out of my mouth is prophetic. And I was giving some illustration how a lot of people have been raised up in the church. Um, uh, they they invite you to to church quick, but they will not invite a sinner to their house. And and this is the mentality where people will not invite people to their house. Is they ain't gonna let that spirit come up in my house. And 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 a couple of people start laughing because that's exactly what they were say, have said, and they've been saved for years, but they have never invited a sinner to their house, but they invite them to church. But yet Jesus would go to a sinner's house, and he would eat with sinners, and he would eat with publicans. He did not cast them out, but he loved them, and he demonstrated his love by not rejecting them and ostracizing them. You know something? Why the church would uh, people would uh, have an issue with church people because we carry ourselves like we're stuck up and like we're better than anybody, and you forgot where you come from. Isn't it amazing? I've been. I was like that. 
I'm, I started discipling a group of men, and I was sharing this principle with them on last week. How I said, I don't want y'all to be like me. Don't make the mistakes I made. I made the mistake because what I was around, who I was around, that's what they did. I thought it was the right thing. I gave my life to the Lord, and so therefore, only thing I was concerned about is shoving the gospel down my family's throat. And every time they saw me, they ran from me because I didn't know how to relate to them. Now, you know this wasn't part of my message again tonight. I wasn't around them. I said they didn't want to be around me because only thing I wanted them to do is get saved. But I didn't know how to relate to them as a brother. I didn't know how to just continue to love them. Instead of preaching the gospel to them, just living the gospel before them. I didn't know how to do that. Because, understand, I wasn't raised up in church. So that's how the people around me was. So, to me, that was right. That was the right thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to flow supernaturally, and we want to flow supernaturally in church. Show me one time that miracles and signs and wonders broke out in Jesus' ministry in church, in the synagogue, when the church, but in the synagogue. Show me in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where miracles and signs and wonders broke out, and maybe one time. If I'm not recall, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a demon cried out while he was in the synagogue one time. But ninety, ninety, I said ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent of Jesus' ministry took place outside of the synagogue, outside of the synagogue. And so, when we began to understand the call of God, the call of God, your vocation, ladies and gentlemen, is your ministry. Now, we have to break it down. I had a young lady. Uh, 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 a member of my church was sharing with me the other day uh, that her job said, we ain't call you here to be praying for people. And so I told her, I said, we don't supposed to be praying for people on the job if uh, uh, they, they hired you to work. And she said, no, I was on my way out. That person was outside to the gate. I said, that's a whole different ballgame. I said, are you outside of the facility? And then if you was outside of the facility and somebody need prayer, that's a whole different ballgame. But in the facility, they called you not there to pray. They called you because you had some, some gifts and some talents they needed to help them be successful. So you were there to do that. But God know how to create a circumstance, a situation if you need to pray for somebody. He know, how to, he know how to make sure everybody is cleared out. He know how to um, uh, allow that to happen on your lunch break or, 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 or on a break. Uh, and you said, and, and somebody comes to you, will you pray for me? So let's go to the car real quick. Uh, are you on your break? I'm on my break. Let's go to the car real quick. You go to the car. You lay hands on them. They receive a miracle. You come on back in. And then what's going to happen? Then they're going to go tell their peers on the job how you prayed for them at, uh, uh, on the break and how your headache is gone, your back pain is gone, your shoulder pain is gone, your abdomen pain is gone, your flow of blood, ladies, has been dried up instantly, and they go tell them. And what you think going to happen on every break? When there's another break come, God is going to allow you to be able to minister to them, and now you can get them outside of the compound, and now you can bring them into your home, like they did in Acts chapter 2. You bring them into your home, and now you can minister Jesus to them to raise them up to minister Jesus to other people. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. So we flow supernaturally. 
but we flow outside of the confounds of the church and understanding what your vocation is. And we need to teach our children, your vocation is this right here. Once we sense it and discern what God is calling them into, this is your vocation. This is your vocation. This is your vocation. And you release them in their vocation. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to be harmless as doves, wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. And that's the problem with us, the difference between us and witches and warlocks. Witches and warlocks, they don't come to every church. Witches and warlocks come to churches that's a threat to them. They don't come to every church because every church is not a threat to them. Witches and warlocks praise, they'll come to your service, and they'll sing songs and praise right along with you, but you don't hear them singing. They'll pray, they'll come to your prayer meeting, and they'll be praying right along with you. But they're cursing all the time. Matter of fact, I just, uh, just showed a, 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 uh, uh, a video to my intercessory team on uh, last Sunday evening. Uh, last Sunday, Sunday before last, one of the two. But I showed show them where a young man came into his church services, and they had the camera on the young man, and they would go around praying for people, and when they laid hands on this young man, the man stopped manifesting. And as they began to manifest, uh, and this is the longest delivery ever, ever seen uh, take place uh, in this particular church, and the man stopped manifesting. Make a long story short, after the man got set free, then the man began to expose uh, uh, the workings of darkness, how he been, he was assigned to go to churches. And he said he went to all churches all throughout the uh, region, initiating people into the kingdom of darkness. He went in there giving big tithes, uh, great sums of money. And so that's what, how the enemy usually gets somebody's carnal. When we are moved by money and we see big offerings, uh, then we say, well, who is that person giving that big offering? Then we want to have a meeting with them, and then we want to bring them a part of the ministry, and then eventually they become a part of your board or your leadership and not understanding you just set yourself up and your church up for a fall. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we have to come to the place um, that we're not moved by money, we're not moved by status, we're not moved by absolutely nobody but Jesus Christ, who's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And when you and I come to that particular place, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. When you and God got to test us with money, He got to test us with status, He got to test us with position, He got to test us with comparing ourselves with one another, He got to test us with envy and strife and jealousy. Are we jealous of one another? Or are we uh, what's we're covered. Uh, we operate in covetousness. Uh, I want this right here, and I want this right here. Lord, I've been saved this long. Why my church is not as big as this person's church? Blah, blah, blah. we got to stop all that stupid, crazy foolishness out, ladies and gentlemen. There's only one Lord, one master, one king, and that's Christ Jesus, Son of the living God. And nobody can have what they have unless they receive it by the grace of God. Now, some people got some things by Satan, and, and a lot of people don't know that. But we, don't be worried about that. Get your mind off that stuff. Get your mind off of Satan. Get your mind off of demons. Get your mind on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, because let me share something with you. Nobody can prevail over Jesus. So therefore, let's be happy for people. Let's be excited for people when God is doing something in somebody's life. We've got to get our hearts clean and our hearts, mind, and our hearts uh, clean and our minds clean, ladies and gentlemen from all the satanic and demonic manipulation. But anyway, this gentleman began to expose how he was sent around to all the churches in the region and how he was he went in there to initiate, initiate people into the kingdom of darkness. And one of, his, his, one of the things he looked for when he walked into the church uh, is, is to see by the Spirit of God if the, if the pastor's head was bald. Now, the pastor can have hair, but this is what he's seeing in the realm of the spirit with his spiritual eye. If the pastor's head is bald, if the pastor's head is bald, then he knew without a doubt that 
he could manipulate and initiate that pastor into the realm of darkness, but yet he would still be the pastor, but people wouldn't, wouldn't re- recognize and realize that pastor's on the influence of satanic and demonic manipulation. That's how it worked. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. But we've got to come to the place, ladies and gentlemen, as we rise up in this last day and time, that we allow Jesus to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings and the greatest enemy of the Lordship of Christ. I want everybody to listen to me tonight, if you will. The greatest enemy of the Lordship of Christ and the greatest enemy of the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is ourselves. Self-centeredness. Self-focus. And see, it's a manipulation. It's a manipulation. Why do you think God allowed people to come against you? Why do you think God allowed people to hurt you? Why do you think God allowed people to rip you off? Why do you think God allowed people to lie to you? Why do you think God allowed people to cheat you? Ladies and gentlemen, this is how we grow. This is how we grow, to exercise the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, to get my eyes off of E.J. McKenzie. I can tell you some stories. I can tell you some stories. I went through an episode several years ago. Many, many of you have heard my testimony. Several years ago, I went through a situation where people was ripping me off left and right. I mean, I'm talking about spiritual sons and daughters, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the people that accepted close to me. And the only thing I cared about was helping them and blessing them. I can tell you some stories about my own peers, preachers, <laughs> that has done. But why would God allow it? My head was swimming one time. I mean, this person, this person, this person. I said, God, what is going on? And had ripped my wife and I off close to about over, if not over, 200, 200 grand. I said, God, what is going on? And he, and he did not allow me to see it. He blinded me. He closed my eyes to it. God, what is going on? And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said this to me. He said, nobody can take anything. From me and get away with it. He asked me that question. He, he, said, he, asked me, he said, can anybody take anything away from me and get away with it? I said, well, no, Lord. He said, who money is it, yours or mine? I said, well, it's yours. You know, you know when God talks to you, you want to say the right thing? Because if, if, if I really believed that, I wouldn't have been saying, what's going on? And, uh, and I said, I answered right. Well, I said, well, it, it, it's yours, Lord. He said, well, let me ask you this question. He said, would you rather for me to allow the enemy to take 200000 and I give you $200 million in return? I said, Lord, I'll take $200 million any day. Don't, 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 don't let them bring it. Don't let them pay it back. Don't let them get it back. Now, but, but if God hadn't spoke that, would I continue been wrestling? Oh, what is, yeah, probably, but probably not now because I would have got it by now. It was several years ago. But let me share something with you. You got to understand. You got to understand. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens unless God permitted it to happen. If God's permitted it to happen, He's permitted it because He's taking us somewhere. He want to take you somewhere. He want to take me somewhere. And so, therefore, not only take me somewhere and you somewhere, but He wants to develop a dimension of Christ on the inside of us that has not been developed. He want to show us a dimension of His Son Jesus that we have not seen before. He's put a demand on us to grow. He's put a demand upon us to be like Jesus. So therefore, when he allowed all of these things to take place, watch this right here. When he allowed all these things to take place, these individuals were instruments. They were only instruments. So now I'm in a position now. I shared with y'all a mess I did several years ago uh, between two trees. Now I'm in a position to make a choice. 
To be angry with these people or to forgive these people? To be angry with them, hold them, or to forgive them? I'm I'm, I'm in a situation, I have to make a choice now. It's a power decision. Now I can be like Jesus, operating the word of God, or I can be so focused on what they did to me, how they hurt me, how they lied to me, and how good I've been to them. How could they do me, do me this way? When I brought them out of this situation, they could have lost their house if I didn't help them. They could have lost their car if I didn't help them. I could if, if I didn't do this right here, where would they be? If I didn't counsel them 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, them and their wife, and they turn around and stab me in my body, where would they be? Wait, 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 wait hold it. EJ, stop, 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 stop. That's why the power of God can't flow in you like the power of God has been assigned to flow in you and through you. What you're doing, you don't understanding. You are quenching the fire of God because you are so self-centered. You are so self-focused. You are so caught up and stuck on yourself. And you turn around and lie to the people that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength when you love yourself more. You love yourself with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You don't love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love yourself because I haven't heard anything about me. I just heard the only thing I'm hearing is what somebody has did to you, how they hurt you, and how good you've been to them. But yet, yet, yet. I don't heard you say, E.J., that there's no good thing that dwelleth in me. Well, well, Lord, that's what the Word of God says, and what the Word of God is true. There's no good thing that dwells in none of us. So how could you be good when the Scripture says there's none good? No, not one. And you want to say how good you've been to somebody? If you was good to anybody, it was my goodness flowing through you, sir, to somebody. Remember, there's none good. So if there is any goodness, it's my goodness is flowing through your spirit, through your soul, manifesting itself through your body. And the purpose of the goodness, E.J., is not for people to lift you up and say how good you are. It's to lift me up for how good I am through you, sir. People is designed, my goodness is designed for people to see me. Not you, E.J., not you, me. So therefore, therefore, people can glorify me. People can exalt me. People can extol me. He said, if you want the power of God, the power of God only can flow in your life, sir, when you come to the place that you're totally surrendered to me. You're totally surrendered to me. You're totally yielded to me. You come to the place in your life. You have surrendered. You have abandoned your will. You've abandoned your dreams. You've abandoned everything about you. And the only thing that you care about, sir, is me being glorified. It's my will being done and performed. E.J., if you don't come to that place, you can flow in the gifts of the Spirit, E.J. It's one thing to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but it's another thing for me to be the controlling factor of the gifts that I gave unto you. It's another thing for you to flow under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You're under the inspiration. You're under the the influence. You're under the lordship of the Spirit of the living God. Your Your soul's focus, E.J., is me, Christ, the Son of the living God. And everything you do, you adorn it to bring glory to me, E.J., 
Everything you do as a husband, everything you do as a father, everything that is done as a man of God, as a businessman, you understand that it is me that is in operation in you and through you, sir. You are more conscious of me than you're conscious of your spouse. You're more conscious of me than you're conscious of yourself. You're more conscious of me than you're more conscious of your children. You're more conscious of me than any man, woman, boy, and girl. You live in a conscious state that I am. I am your Lord. I am your master. I am your king. I am your all, all in all. If there's any love that's been displayed to anyone, I am the essence of love. Are, are we getting this? Matter of fact, the scripture I want to give you all tonight was, is found in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 30. And the scripture is quoted this way. God has made him unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. God made Christ, God made Christ unto us, wisdom, righteousness. I'm doing a series on the righteousness of God. And, 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 and what the people need to understand, that God has given us, has made us righteous. But he, he hasn't just made us righteous. See, what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. That we might be made, might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The moment you and I receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you just didn't receive a man as your Lord and Savior. You receive a man who is your Lord and Savior. You receive a man who is your righteousness. You receive a man who is your holiness. So therefore, you don't have to try to do anything externally to become holy. You received a man who is your redeemer, who will redeem you from the hand of every enemy. You have received a man who is the love of God. You have received a man who is the peace of God. You have received a man who is the joy of the Lord. You have received a man who is patience. You have received, uh, which is the patience of God. You have received a man who is the goodness of God. You have received a man who is the kindness of God. You have received a man man who is the gentleness of God. You have received a man who is the humility of God. You have received a man who is the compassion of God. You have received a man who is the authority of God. You have received a man who is the power of God. Are you getting this? See, when you and I seek for righteousness apart from the man, then we fail. You cannot receive righteousness apart from the man because the man is righteous. The man is the gift of righteousness to us. Jesus is the gift of God to humanity. He is the gift of God, uh, the gift of righteousness to him. Jesus is the gift of love to us. The love of God is shut abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit takes uh, Jesus, who is the gift of God to us, and he, 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 he begins to uh, minister to him in our hearts, in our mind. That's the Holy Spirit job. He is the power of God. The Holy Spirit will take God, uh, God uh, power, which is Christ. Christ is the power of God. He will take Christ, which is the power of God, and begin to minister him through us. But that's why the scripture always talks about faith in him, faith in him, faith in him, faith in him, faith in him. And when there's faith in him, then there will be a plenty supply of grace. Grace is the ability of God. It's not your ability. It's his ability. That's what grace is. Grace, 
Let me, let me put it this way. Grace is everything that Jesus was upon the face of the earth and still is. Everything that Jesus accomplished and did and became, let me put it that word, way, became and accomplished. That's what grace is. So what the Holy Spirit does, he takes that grace according to my faith. If I have faith in him in that area, the Holy Spirit ministers the grace of that in me. And so I experience, that's how salvation is done. You believe in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit ministered the grace of salvation. I didn't do anything but have faith in. He said, least any man should boast. And when there's a boasting, then we've been manipulated. We've been tricked. When we draw people to us and we try to make people exalt us, we try to make people build us, that's a satanic spirit. That is the spirit that got uh, Lucifer, which became Satan, kicked out of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. And he manipulates all of us that way to try to get us to exalt ourselves and try to get us to, to uh, get people to praise us based on our gifting, based on our talents. And so, therefore, and know where that come from? It comes from insecurity. You, you probably didn't excel uh, uh, in too much of anything while you was in the world. You got saved now, and you start excelling in some things in church. Just say prayer uh, or quoting scriptures. You, 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 you really strive and learn to quote scriptures because you know that impresses people. So, but the purpose of quoting the scripture is to steal God's glory. And not understanding your ability to quote scriptures is the grace of God. You had faith in that. And because you had faith in learning how to memorize scripture and to quote scripture, God's ability came on the inside of you. But you thought it was you. And that's why we boast. Or we want people to boast about us. And then what's happening, then you say it is you, and it wasn't grace. Then if it wasn't grace, then it was not faith. It wasn't faith, that means it was you. And if it was you, then God cannot accept it. God cannot accept anything from you. Because in us dwelleth no good thing. God rejects anything that comes from us, but he accepts everything that comes from his son. Everything that comes from his son. Are we getting this? Well, we struggle. We try to be great husbands, and we try to be great fathers, and not understanding who is the father of fathers. God is. He is the father of fathers. If anyone knows how to be a father, it comes from the creator, the father God himself. So therefore, if I put my faith in God, grace come to be the father that God has ordained, appointed, and known me to be, or the husband. But the problem is, what blocks us from being good fathers and good husbands is when our wives do us wrong and our children violates us. We are upset, we are angry, but not realizing and understanding God is only using the wife and the children to perfect the dimension of Christ on the inside of us. Or uh, to perfect the love of God is on the inside of us. What the scripture says, First John, I think it is 4.17, herein is the uh, love of God made perfect. Herein is the love of God made perfect. Isn't the love of God perfect? Absolutely. But how could it be made perfect? Because it's not perfected in me. It's perfect. But it's not perfect in me. I gotta allow it to be perfected in me. It's already I got a perfect thing in me, but the perfect thing in me has not perfected me. 
I have not submitted to the perfect thing. If I submit to the perfect thing, then the perfect thing is perfected in me, not out of me, in me. So I have to do that. So what God does, he will allow me to be violated. For what reason? To do exactly what God did for you and I. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God, what did he do? God reconciled us unto himself while we were yet in our sins. So therefore, the greatest expression of love and the perfection of love is to forgive people when they wound us and hurt us. Peter came to Jesus one time, should I forgive my brother seven times in one day? Jesus said, no, 70 times in one day. He said, wait a minute, uh, uh, 70 times seven. 70 times seven in one day. He said, what? What are you saying? He had an issue. He had an issue. And just like the majority of us had issues. And so not realizing and understanding that, think about it, if Jesus told Peter this 70 times seven in, 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 in one day, can you imagine how great the mercy of God is towards us? Have you ever stopped to think about that? He told a natural man to forgive somebody. If they sin against you 70 times seven in one day, you forgive them. He, he, he said that to a natural man. Can, if, so if he tell a natural man, can you imagine the love of God? Can you imagine the mercies of God? And he, God is the creator of man. So those of you that the enemy has manipulated and lied to you and, and told you you're struggling right now because you sinned against God, and yet God tells Peter that, if your brother sinned against you 70 times, seven in one day, you forgive him. And you want to tell me that God is not bigger and God is not greater than a man? So if God, if God told a man to forgive somebody 70 times, seven in one day, can you imagine that God's forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, is eternal? I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. He's talking to somebody. His forgiveness is eternal. His forgiveness is eternal. So get free tonight. Get free in your heart. Get free in your mind. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God, and go forth and do what God has commissioned you to do. When God gave you your commission, when God spoke to you prophetically, he knew, listen, you, you don't catch God by surprise. I don't catch God by surprise. So how can the word come to pass because I messed up? God gave, knew you was going to mess up before he gave you the word. Now why? Because he already provided provision for you to get back in track with him so you can go ahead and fulfill his, uh, his will. So shake yourself. Receive the blood of Jesus. Let it cleanse your spirit, your soul, your heart, your mind. And so you can go ahead and do what God called you to do. But the greatest demonstration of love is forgiving. But that's how, you, that's, how you, that's how you grow. That's how you grow. Some of my greatest pain has come from my wife. I'm sure my, some of her greatest pain has come from me. Some of my greatest pain has come from my children. Excuse me. And some of my greatest pain uh, has come from my spiritual sons and daughters. I don't see uh, people forsake me just out of just nowhere. But I understand a lot of it is satanic. A lot of it is satanic. I, I had sons and daughters that's been in a relationship with me only for personal gain. They use people. They, people still use my name today, not even in a relationship with me, proper relationship. I put it that way, and they still use my name for personal gain. They still use uh, my name for their progress. 
and they will never progress. Have nothing to do with E.J. McKenzie. You got to do things right, and you got to do things from a biblical perspective, ladies and gentlemen. You got to learn honor. A lot of people don't know honor. A lot, very few people know loyalty. A lot of people don't know what it means to be loyal. Do you know what it really means to be loyal? Here's the love of God, ladies and gentlemen. What, what it means to be loyal? Can you be loyal uh, to be a friend to somebody throughout to, until the day that you die? Here's his friendship. His friendship. Biblical. Jesus makes a statement to his disciple. He says, a servant doesn't know all that his master does, but a friend. He says, I have shared everything with you all. In other words, you have graduated from a servant. I made you friends. I shared everything with you. So who befriended the disciples? Jesus did. Who befriended them? Jesus did. They was there to serve Jesus, and they, through their service, he promoted them to friends. Jesus, in his weakest hour, uh, most challenging hour, rather, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know the story, Judas came. He told to this, uh, the high priest, the one that I kissed, that's the one. Arrest him. Now get him quickly now. Now get him quickly. So he comes to where Jesus was. Jesus just finished this agonizing prayer, knowing that the Father is getting ready to depart from him or turn his back on him or depart, really depart from him because he's getting ready to take the sins of humanity. And he's crying to the Lord. He's never been separated from the Father, never, ever. And so now he's crying now, not my will but your will be done. Judas come. And that's what happens at your most weakest hour. Who you think will aid you, who you think will assist you, is the ones that will forsake you and betray you at your weakest hour. I've been there, ladies and gentlemen. I've been there. I'm talking about recently with spiritual sons and daughters. Been there. And 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 and, ladies, and it's not the devil. Many times it's, it's designed for your promotion. Always understand that when you're going through excruciating pain in relationships or whatever, ladies and gentlemen, get your eyes off of what you're going through. Keep your eyes on Jesus because it's designed to promote you. It's designed to elevate you. It's designed for God to anoint you afresh. There's a, it's a, there's a fresh anointing that has been prepared for you. And the anointing, ladies and gentlemen, is to help people. It's not to exalt you, to help people. So he comes to in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he he uh, goes to the uh, 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 master, master, and kissed him. And what did Jesus say, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus, friend, betray us down me with a kiss. See, we don't know how to be friends to people. Even in the midst of betrayal, Jesus still called him a friend. Now, why? Because Jesus befriended him, even though his actions uh, Judas' action was not that of a friend. But Jesus, see, I'm going to tell you how we operate. When somebody do us wrong, we do them wrong. Then you wasn't a friend. Say, well, well, friends is two ways. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's a world's mentality. That is not a biblical mentality. Show me that in the word of God. That is not a biblical mentality. Just because somebody bre bre breached the relationship, that doesn't mean you have to breach it. 
if you if they breach the relationship and you have, and you end up breaching the relationship because they breach the relationship, that means they are the controlling factors of your life and not you. They are controlling you and you are not in control. And a lot of people is not in control. You allow circumstances, situations to control the relationship instead of you controlling the relationship. So Jesus said, friend, betrayed down me with a kiss. He still was a friend to Jesus to the day that he died, to the day that Judas died, rather. He still was his friend, even though Judas wasn't a friend. He was a friend. Do we know how to be friends to people? Do we know how to walk in the love of God towards people? Do you know how to walk in the love of God? Now, how many of you all have a friend, have a friend, and, and you really admire them? You got saved, and you admired them. And you say, oh, man, I just love your prayer life, and I just love your relationship with the Lord, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, can, can we be friends? And the person accepts you as a friend. And then the next thing you know, that individual end up falling in some area. They end up becoming an alcoholic, end up start drinking. And now people know about it. Now, will you start distancing yourself from that person because uh, you say, how could they be this way? Uh, how, how, could, how could they do this? I thought they were so spiritual. And I thought they was this right here. I thought it was a man of God. I don't understand. Why we get so caught in this stupid stuff? They're a human being. Not say, I'm not condoning what they did. But ladies and gentlemen, when your faith is in people more than the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to fail when they fail. They stand. What you admired was the grace of God in their lives. You didn't understand what to, how to recognize it. You looked at them and didn't see the grace that made them who they were. That made them who they were. So when that person becomes a, a, in a fallen in alcoholism, and when everybody starts distancing themselves from them, and you start distancing yourself from them because all the people distancing themselves from them, you, you never was a friend. You never was a friend. You don't want to be labored. In my uh, leadership manual I have that I still haven't got published yet, uh, finished over 10 years ago, uh, I got a portion in there called, Are You Willing to Be Labored? With the laboring of your master or your leader, that's leader. Are you willing to be labored with the laboring of your leader? Is it is easy for you to walk with someone when everybody praising them? It's easy for you to walk with someone when everybody praising them, and that's probably the time you got in relationship with them when everybody was exalting them and praising them. But when somebody start calling them Beelzebub. When somebody starts calling your pastor, somebody starts calling your spiritual father, spiritual mother, be as above. When somebody starts calling your best friend, be as above. Are you going to distance yourself from them now? When everybody was saying there was a man of God, a woman of God, but now they're calling them be as above? You're not a friend. You're not a friend. You're Judas. You was only in the relationship for person again. You're Jehovah. You're not a David. You're not a Jonathan. We see very few David and Jonathan's relationship in this last hour. Now, do I condone the alcoholism? Absolutely not. And my friend, no, I don't condone alcoholism. But my friend can take it to the bank. I'm going to be there for you. 
I'm going to be there for you because I, I became your friend. If everybody, if everybody want to call me an alcoholic along, along with you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they call me. Only thing that matters to me that God knows, he's my father. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So it doesn't matter. I became your friend. And I'm going to stick with you through this situation. I'm going to fast with you. I'm going to pray for you. And even if you don't want, if you don't want me to be around you, if you, if you don't want me to be, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to fast for you. I'm still going to pray for you and believe that God is going to restore you back in the place of where you belong. I'm going to let you know if you ever need me, just call me. I don't care what time it is in the night, just call me. If you need me, I'm here. I'm here for you. But one thing I'm not going to condone, I do not condone what you're doing. And that's where the tough love comes in at. That's where tough love comes in at. Are, are you getting this? And, and, and I don't know why God went this route at this particular time, but I know there's somebody uh, that's on this uh, broadcast is struggling. Struggling in biblical relationship. So he allowed things to happen for you and I to exercise the ministry of reconciliation. Now, here's a person that failed in alcoholism. Now, here is an opportunity for me to exercise my ministry, my ministry of reconciliation to this individual that has failed in alcoholism. Notice also what the word of the Lord says in the book of, uh, in the book of uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If a brother is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, least considering your own self. That's the problem. We don't consider our own self with our self-righteous self. So our brother has failed, our sister has failed, and so now we're not exercising the ministry of reconciliation because I don't forget how undone I am or I was at one particular time, and somebody prayed for me, and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody was covering me in prayer. In the midst of my greatest hour of temptation, I stood because of the prayers that went up for me. We forget. We forget. We forget. It's a restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. We're in the ministry, we're in the business, ladies and gentlemen, of restoration. We're in the business of reconciliation. We're in the business. We're in the business. I heard uh, uh, a lady, I'm going to say this, I know my time about up. Uh, 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 a lady has shared with me about, um, uh, uh, what's the man's name in Atlanta? Uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Eddie Long. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Eddie Long said, man, his church, he, he, uh, he, uh, 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 he's back up to 30-some thousand members now. Uh, I said, oh, yeah? I said, yeah. Man, I said, all, all that stuff that went on, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to tell you what I see out of that. I'm going to tell you what I see out of that. I don't know if Eddie Long did what he did. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to tell you what I see out of it. Can I tell you what I see out of it? I see the love of God. I see the love of God. I see a man that, that, uh, that went through great scrutiny, great public humiliation, his wife, his children, and, and I think so many of his members left the, uh, uh, the, the ministry. I don't know how many men, I don't, I don't keep up with stuff like that. I really don't. And, and now she, but he back up to 30,000 members. I see the love of God. I believe that God is trying to show the body of Christ something. I'm trying to show you that I'm a God of love. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of grace. And, and the blood of Jesus is, even, is able to reach down to the, uh, to, uh, to the lowest point and cleanse a person 
I don't care if they murdered somebody. I don't care what they done. My blood is sufficient. My blood is sufficient. My blood is sufficient. I can cleanse any man. I can cleanse a dope from a, a, a dealer. I can a, a cleanse a drug addict. I can cleanse a prostitute. I can cleanse a murderer. I can I can cleanse anybody who would cry to me and say, God, forgive me and have mercy upon me. And I'll raise them up. But everybody else is judging them. How in the world can that be? Maybe because you're jealous that you don't have 30,000 members. And you say, and here's the self-righteous. Well, I didn't do what he did, Lord, but you don't know what he did. Well, well why would he pay for what That's between him and God. We have to learn how to love one another and walk in the love of God. There's no big sin, little sin. And, and remember where you come from. So I just told, I see the love of God, and I see God is trying to show the body of Christ that his, his love been demonstrated towards Eddie Long. He's showing everybody his mercy towards Eddie Long. He's showing his grace towards Eddie Long. And we, I don't care, you, you can get in all these little conversations all you want to. And you we get into the conversation, these little huddles, and talk about this, what the case is. And I'm talking about preachers now. And the majority of people that talk about it is jealous. When the first thing broke out, uh, I, have a, I have a pastoral line, uh, one on Monday, one on Wednesday, two, two groups of pastors, and, 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 and they said, did you hear about, which I had not heard about, did you hear about Eddie Long? I said, what happened? And they started talking about Eddie Long. I said, let me share something with everybody on this line here. I said, Eddie Long is God's man. Don't touch the anointing. Touch not the anointing. David did not touch Saul, who was guilty. Because he was the anointing of God. Samuel anointed him. Once the anointing or hit a man or hit a woman, they've been set aside by God. So you don't touch them. Leave them people alone. Take your tongue off of people. And that's probably why some of you are going through some of the hell that you're going through right now. Because you touch the anointing. To touch the anointing is to touch God. And you're experiencing satanic bite lashes, which I wanted to get into tonight as well. You're experiencing satanic bite lashes. You open up a door for the devil to come through you and hit you hard, hit your spouse hard, hit your children, hit your finances, hit your business, because you touch God's anointed. You better get your mouth off of preachers. I don't care if they're the biggest whoremonger in the city. Get your mouth off of preachers. I don't care if they have embezzled money from the church. Get your mouth off of them. God have not called you to be a judge. And God has not called you to discipline or to bring correction to an authority. He has not called you to do that. You better get your hands off of them, and you better repent right now, and ask God to have mercy upon you so God can turn around and remove the thing, the backlash that you have released against yourself. What the Scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 13, all authority has been ordained by God. If anyone... If anyone, how does scripture go? If anyone come against uh, the uh, uh, the the uh, authority, you bring judgment upon yourself. I did a message while back called self-inflicted judgment. Some people is under is experiencing self-afflicted judgment. You have brought judgment upon yourself because you touched the authority. You have touched people with your mouth, conversations, going out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Talking about your pastor, talking about preachers, and next thing you know, hell breaks loose. Next thing you know, your baby's is sick. Next thing you know, hell breaks loose in the job. Next thing you know, your spouse wants to get a divorce from you because you touch the authority and you brought judgment on yourself. 
Scripture says, you tell me you was not afraid of the authority? You wasn't afraid of the authority? You better read Romans 13. The Lord is trying to help us. He's trying to help us to get an alignment so the glory of God can be in our life. The power of God can flow in us. The supernatural can flow through us. But we've got to get our hearts clean. We've got to get our hearts clean. We've got to get our minds renewed. We've got to think like God. And we've got to see people the way God sees people. It has nothing to do many times with people but the position that they carry. God knew what they was going to do, uh, the possibilities of doing what they did. He knew. He chose them. You and I didn't choose them. You are not God. I'm not God. We leave all that stuff to God. His creation. His, his kingdom. His ministry. Ain't ours. One thing we should be doing is praying for one another so the world can know that we are his disciples by the love that we exercise towards one another. And the greatest demonstration of love, ladies and gentlemen, is forgiveness. And we really have a forgiving heart when any longer any other man of God has fallen. And, and even if they are guilty, even if they are guilty, remember it used to be guiltless. Remember, excuse me, guilty. Used to be guilty. So, therefore, we have to rally and begin to pray. Because no, no, think about it. How many of you are reaching souls like Ed alone? How many of you are influencing the community like Ed alone? How many of you are influencing, influencing uh, uh, humanity like Jimmy Swagger did? None of us. So we should have been praying and that God will humble him, and that he will repent, and God restore him, so he can continue to do what God had called him to do. We got to we got to think like God. We got to think like our Father. Ladies and gentlemen, I know my time has been up. I want to apologize to you, but I but you know, and I know that this was the Spirit of God ministering to us today. He's ministering to us. Let us begin to walk in the love of God, so the power of God can flow in the church. That the power of God can flow in us and through us, and that you and I will begin to experience God like we have never experienced before. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time for the supernatural. This is your hour. This is your time. We're getting ready to see, ladies and gentlemen, supernatural increase. Listen, I'm talking about money begin to increase and multiply right in your midst, ladies and gentlemen. I experienced that before years ago, traveling with my, my man of God, counted the money, and it kept on multiplying as we counted it. Listen, Jim, those that was just a foretaste, but we didn't know how to keep that going. But God is restoring that grace. He's restoring that anointing. And we're getting ready to see the supernatural like never before over God's creation, over God's creation. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been challenged economically, it's nothing but a sign that God is getting ready to increase you. If you've been challenged in, 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 in any kind of area of marriage, it's nothing but a sign. God is getting ready to increase your marriage, take it to a whole other level. If you've been challenged with your children, it's nothing but a sign that God is getting ready to explode in your children's lives. And the devil is going to be angry and upset. This is your due season. This is your set time. I speak it, I decree it, and I declare it to be so. My prayer is that you be encouraged, and let's get the let's get the little uh, the little things right. Let's 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 get our hearts right before God. Let's begin to allow God to use us as instruments and tools of love. Love is the greatest weapon against the devil. The devil hates people loving on one another, and the only way we can love on one another is by completely forgiving one another, completely forgiving one another of any kind of violation. 
Get your spirit clean. Get your heart clean so the Holy Spirit can break out in your life. The Holy Spirit can break out in your marriage. The Holy Spirit can break out in every area and facet of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have ended the Saturday noon prayer. We're not doing that anymore. Uh, so, therefore, we're just Monday and Tuesday. It's been a pleasure sharing with you on yesterday. It was a pleasure sharing with you today. Both days was prophetic in nature because, once again, I had my outline here, and the Spirit of God did not touch not one thing today, and he didn't touch one thing yesterday. So I, if I were you, I will go back to the archives, and I will go back over this and ponder what God is saying to us. He's challenging us. He's challenging us because you want to know why? Because this is your season. You're right on the verge of a supernatural breakthrough. I'm going to say it again. You're on the verge of a supernatural breakthrough. Don't get discouraged. Don't be dismayed. This is your season. This is your hour. The enemy comes with counterattacks. They try to get you discouraged. They try to stop you and block you. He cannot stop. But you're going to hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering because you know your God has promised that this is your due season, your set time. Before 2013 is over with, God is going to be glorified in your life that's going to blow people mind. But make sure he get the glory. Make sure he get the glory. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. Jimmy Kinsley, the Master Key. We love you and appreciate you. Let the rest of your night be blessed and your week. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.